For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the gram, stunt me and destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all gon' remember the name. Y'all gon' remember the name. What's up ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to another episode of Real Talk with Zuby. On today's episode, we have got on an author, an athlete, an entrepreneur, got an awesome YouTube channel. He's spoken at TEDx multiple, multiple times. And this is the one and only Dre Baldwin. Welcome to the show, man. Zuby, what's going on, man? How are you? Yeah, all good. Thanks, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great, man. Congratulations on the Kickstarter. I've been following what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much, man. Thank you very much, bro. I really appreciate it, man. So for people who have not heard about you, tell them a little bit about who Dre Baldwin is. Sure. I'll give you the two-minute background. Uh, I come from the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, now reside in Miami, Florida. Uh, background was always in sports. Tried to play, uh, played all the background, back- backyard sports, driveway sports, because we didn't have grass where I grew up at. So kickball, you know, backyard basketball, touch football. First sport I tried was football. Didn't, couldn't afford equipment. So I'm talking American football. Didn't play yeah. that. <laughs> went on to baseball. Uh, went on to baseball. Tried that for a few years, but I didn't really have talent. I was struggling for mediocrity. Left that, finally moved to basketball at age 14, which is pretty late to start playing a sport that you're trying to go somewhere in college, let alone the pros. But kept playing, uh, didn't make my high school team for my first three years, didn't make it till I was a senior. Sat the bench that one year, scored two points per game. Now, anyone who doesn't know basketball, two points is not a lot. Now, maybe in soccer or hockey, it'd be a lot, but in basketball, that wasn't much. Uh, College, went to college, had to walk on, which means no scholarship, nobody knew me. Literally walked into the gym to try out at the Division Three level, third tier of sports, made the team there my freshman year, go figure, after I barely played in high school. <laughs> uh, did all right in college. I didn't set the world on fire. I was okay. When I graduated from college, I still wanted to play pro ball, coming out mm-hmm. of a D3 school, but I had no prospects, no plan, nobody giving me an offer, anything like that. And I had to hustle my way into the game because overseas, I was going to play basketball overseas. And overseas ball is kind of like a shadow industry. It's not a lot of information out there about how to do it. Mm. Even to this very day, most of the information about how to play overseas was written by me. So imagine how much information I had when I was trying to play. I didn't have any. So I was able to get into pro ball in 2005 after I went to this exposure camp. which was basically like a job fair for athletes. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got my career started. My first job was in Lithuania in 05. Now, at the time, I went and I went to this exposure camp to get myself seen. That's how I got an agent. and My agent helped me get the job. My footage from that exposure camp was on this thing called a VHS tape. You remember those, Zuby? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Old school, yeah. Yeah, so I took that VHS tape and I got it transferred to a data CD, put it into my computer and uploaded it to this brand new website. I heard you could put as much video up for free as you want it. It's called YouTube.com. Oh, yeah. This is 2005. So that is how I kind of started two careers at the same time. That wasn't until about four or five years later that I realized that this YouTube thing could actually become bigger for me than actually playing basketball, which it mm. literally did become. And that wasn't until later. So I played pro ball from 05 to 2015, 
started putting videos on YouTube, mostly basketball related. Then it became mindset around about mm-hmm. 2009. Mm-hmm. And that's where the whole work on your game philosophy came from. And that's when I realized because people were and I'm sure we'll get into this. People were really connecting with the mental game stuff. So I realized when I'm done playing ball, I can still talk about this forever, even when I'm not talking to the athletes. So since 2015, been a full time entrepreneur, now CEO, owner of my company, work on your game, incorporated. And what we do here, we take the mental tools to get you to the top one percent in the sports world. And we translate those over to the business world and into everyday life. Awesome. I love that, man. I love that. I'm curious to know a little bit more about the about your your growing up. So tell me a little bit more about sure. your childhood. What was that? What was that experience like for you? Sure. Well, I grew up with both parents mm-hmm. and my mom was in charge and my dad would just co-sign. But my mom was in charge and she was really big on education. She was really big on you're going to go to school. You're going to get your education. She wanted us to get degrees because my mom, my parents had my sister and I, my sister's a year older than me. Mm-hmm. They had us when they were really young. So my mom was 20. My dad was 21. And my mom had to kind of uh, divert from her educational aspirations because she had two kids. Gotcha. I remember when my sister and I were really young, my dad would be at work. My mom would go to night school. She would work during the day and then she would go to night school and she would have my sister and me with her and she's going to college. So she would have us sit on the bench outside of the classroom while she's in class at night. And I remember this with me and my sister, we would catch the bus just to get there. And my mom tried that for maybe a semester, but I think she realized it wasn't going to work. So she basically stopped going to school to raise her kids. So she didn't actually get her degree until after I got my degree 20 years okay. later. Awesome. And but she took those academic and educational ambitions and she mm-hmm. made sure her kids did everything that she couldn't do. So my sister, who's a year older and she's the female, she became kind of like my mom's Frankenstein. So she became the <laughs> academic superstar. OK, my sister's like. LeBron James of academics. She went to the best <laughs> high school in the city. Nice. She went to uh, Ivy League college on a full scholarship. She has uh, all the degrees you can get after you graduate. She has all of them. I got a regular four-year degree. She got everything else. So gotcha. JD, uh, what's the other ones you can get? I don't even know what they're called. She has them. Uh, whatever they are, <laughs> she has all of them. And okay. she's a professor at a university right now. So she basically became what my mom couldn't become because gotcha. she had kids. And but for me, even though I didn't go so hard into the academics like my sister did, I didn't have to. I wasn't forced to. Mm -hmm. I was good enough. You know, I learned probably around high school what the hustle was. I knew I wanted to play ball for a living by around age 16. Mm -hmm. And I realized that the hustle is, all right, I just need to do good enough in school so I can stay eligible and I can play sports. That's really what I was focused on. But I was always into reading and writing because my parents always had books in the house growing up. So I was always reading always writing. So I started writing books and uh, 10 years ago when okay. I saw that there was a platform to self-publish and I was blogging actually before I put a video on YouTube. That, mm. that, that didn't get me known, but YouTube got me known, but I was blogging actually first. So that was my upbringing as a kid, you know, just coming from the city. I mean, it wasn't terrible coming yeah. from the industry. I would say I was kind of lower middle class. Mm-hmm. We weren't destitute. We weren't poor. We had food, clothing, shelter, but yeah. we didn't have extra. You know, a lot of times we didn't have a car. We never went on a vacation, anything like that. We heard all the normal sayings. Money doesn't grow on trees. Does it look like we're made of money? Yeah, yeah. You know, we can't afford it. We heard all those things growing up, but we had, we always had, we had every Thanksgiving, we had you no know, new sneakers on first day mm-hmm. of school, all that stuff, but nothing extra. I hear you. I hear you. But, and, but I mean, having both your parents there and having them making those sacrifices and instill those values in you. Um, I think, 
You know, these days people talk about all sorts of different advantages and disadvantages and privileges and this and that. And they always base it around, you know, race and money and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, being a man or being a woman or whatever. But I'm like, man, the biggest privilege beyond being born in this time frame in the modern Western world, whether it's the UK or the USA, et cetera, but having both your parents there and having parents who like genuinely care about you and love mm-hmm. you and instill certain values in you. I'm a strong believer that, sure. you know, regardless of economic status at that time, if you've got that and you've got that mindset, then the sky's the limit. You know, the sky, the sky is the limit. Sure. And I think so many people hold themselves back with their mindsets. I, I, I know you're, you're huge on mindset. You've done mm-hmm. TED Talks on mindset. You've got videos out there on mindset. You've got books on mindset, everything like that. So, I'm curious to know how has that um how's that developed for you? You you seem like someone who's got like a real sort of bulletproof mindset. How has that developed over time for you? Were there any particular t- things or particular moments or things you consumed or mentors or anything like that that you feel really helped shape that for you? Absolutely. Okay. Since I was always into reading, you know, I was always just reading different stuff and Back in the days when we used to have to go to the bookstore to get books, yeah. I remember going to, you know, Borders and Barnes and Noble. And I would always go to two specific sections of the bookstore. Zuby. I would go to the sports section because I was always in the sports. And then I would go to back then they called it human psychology section. Mm. And that's where I first ran into Robert Greene. That's when I found the 48 Laws of Power, my favorite gotcha. book. And I would go in that section. The human psychology section slowly morphed into the. Uh, what did they start calling it? They start calling it the self-help section. Self-help, yeah. Now they actually call it personal development. I was in a bookstore a month ago. Now they literally they label it personal development. Mm. But I never knew personal development was a thing. But I was always into those books that were about the way that people think and how you can alter your, your ways of thinking by giving yourself different ideas. But I didn't know there was a label for it. Gotcha. And the way I found out about it, believe it or not, was in uh, network marketing. Oh, okay. I was in college. I was in college. And I responded to some uh, billboard at not billboard, but, uh, you know, the poster boards on campus Yeah, yeah, yeah. said, do you want to make some extra money on the side? So I said, yeah, I want to make some extra money. So I go to the <laughs> meeting, this is random guy who's not from our school. I don't know what he was doing in town. <laughs> he, he introduces us to this concept of network marketing. I never heard of this before. Yeah. And I actually ended up you know, joining it for a little while. Didn't stay in it, but joined it for a little while. And I went to a couple of the meetings And every time they had the meeting, the guy on stage, whoever it was, would always say, hey, when you leave the meeting, stop by the table outside and get that personal development. He was dropping these names I never heard before. He said, get Brian Tracy, get Jim Rohn, get Napoleon Hill, get those Mm -hmm. Zig Ziglar tapes. And I was like, who are these people? But they kept saying them. So I kept remembering these names. And then when I looked at the books and I realized what they were, I said, oh, so this is personal development. Think and grow rich. Oh, this mm. so it's a way that you can change your thoughts and it can change the results of your life by altering your patterns of thought. I didn't know it was a thing. So that's how I realized that it was a thing. And then mm. I just went all in on it. I just started reading a lot more outside of school, outside of the stuff that the teachers were telling us to read. And this is in college at this point. And then when I started putting those videos on YouTube, mostly I'm talking to basketball players. I'm just doing dribbling drills. Here's how to dunk. Here's how you mm. shoot a three-pointer. And all I'm doing is serving people who are in the same seat that I had been in 10 years earlier, just up and coming ball players who 
just like me, didn't have anyone teaching them how to play ball. Mm -hmm. But these players, when they started learning a little bit about my story, because they would ask me because they saw me on YouTube and they're like, now, mind you, Zuby, we're talking 2005 through 2008 around this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So it's not normal to put content on the Internet for free at this time. At, back then, if you were putting videos on YouTube and blogging, you were a loser living in your mom's basement. Right. That's <laughs> a, that, yeah, yeah. that was what, how people saw you. Yeah. So when I'm putting these videos up. People are like, all right, this dude looks like he can play, but who is he? We never heard of this guy before. Never seen him on TV. Like, where'd you come from? So I would just get him a little bit of my story in the comments and make little videos every now and then. And when they realize, like, wait a minute, you got cut from your high school team three years in a row. Me, too. Or you're walking on in college and you don't have a scholarship offer. And nobody knows you. Me, too. Mm. How did you do it? What was your mental? What were you thinking when you got cut from your high school team? What were you thinking when you had to go walk on at college basketball trials and 50 guys in the gym and only Three of them are going to make the team. What was your mentality? So when I started talking about those things, that's when I started telling them about discipline, showing up every single day, doing the work, uh, having the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically, the mental toughness to deal with the challenges and the setbacks and stay disciplined and stay confident, even though things aren't working in your favor, at least not right now. Mm. And then the personal initiative to be a self-starter and go and make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. So when I started talking about those things, the people who were watching me, they just started saying, like, Dre, man, you sound like a philosopher. Man. You should be a, a teacher. <laughs> like, you, should, you should be a professional speaker. Like, you don't even have to play ball. When you're done playing ball, you can do other things. So this playing the seed in my mind because I know you can't play ball forever. I don't care how good you are. Eventually, that ball stops bouncing. Yeah, so yeah. what else are you going to do? So I already had it planted in my mind. This message, this mental game stuff, this applies to anyone. You don't have to be playing sports to learn from this. And I started to pick up an audience of people who are not athletes. They start saying, look, Dre, I'm subscribed to you on YouTube, but I don't watch. I, I just put out this weekly motivation every Monday. Yeah. So they say, look, I subscribe to you so I can get that video every Monday. I ignore everything you put out Tuesday through Sunday. But on Monday, <laughs> when you put out that weekly motivation, I'm on it because that, that thing is really helping me stay mentally locked in. So, And at the same time, the, this is kind of like the serendipity of the story. There were times where I found myself unemployed in pro ball. I didn't have a contract. So there was a point around 2009, I didn't have a contract. And I'm like, man, if this keeps going like this. What am I going to do? I'm all, I can't even control my own destiny. I don't know when I'm going to get paid again. Yeah. And I'm going to be an, I'm an adult here. So what am I going to do? So the, I asked myself a really good question, Zuby. The question was this. How do I combine what I'm actually really good at, which is basketball, combine with how do I combine that with something in which I have some natural inclination, which was computers slash the Internet? Mm -hmm. And then how do I make money from it? So how do I find the, the intersection of these three? And the answer to that question was, well, look, Dre, you have this, this audience of people online who are feeling what you're saying. Give them a little bit more. Like you have a website, which became my website, DreAllDay.com. No, invest a little bit more time into that. Write more content and you know, engage with this audience on the Internet. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, this sounds like a no brainer today. Right. It sounds like the first <laughs> thing you would do. Yeah, yeah. But in 2008, mind you, we didn't have the phrase social media. Uh, uh, we didn't have influencers. Mm -hmm. Right. Content marketing was a new thing. So this was not a thing at that time. But I remember telling someone back then around 2009, 2010, like whatever this is that I have on the Internet, this is going to be bigger for me than anything I'm doing playing ball overseas. And it was absolutely true, because even though I did all that work to become a pro athlete, nobody knows me from overseas. People know me from being on the Internet. You know, that's yeah, where yeah. people know me from. So that's how the, the mental game thing came about, because people were just asking, like, yeah, I get that you can play ball, but what were you thinking? And when I started talking about it, I noticed that people were 
kind of react responded to that even more strongly than they were responding to, hey, here's how you do the Allen Iverson crossover dribble. Yeah, so yeah. that's how I knew. And because this has longevity, I can I can work off my mind and make money off my mind forever. Can't make money off your vertical jump forever. Oh, man. I, I hear that 100 percent, dude. What What do you think right. it is that what do you what do you think it is that separates you in terms of your mindset and your ability to do all of that and to have that perspective versus say the the average person because i feel like it's a it's a question sometimes i even i even ask myself or i get asked right like some people just have like a certain a certain mindset i don't know how much is nature versus how much is nurture but they sort of see the world in a certain way and not and they can also articulate it in a way that inspires and motivates other people like you can you can take two people in the exact same, very similar situations, um, you, you could take people who are very, very similar, but their mindset makes them just see the whole world very differently, where one person sees an obstacle, another person sees an opportunity, right? So you're talking about social media, right? So some people will talk about YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and social media, that these things are terrible, they're, they're ruining society, they're awful, like it's a cesspit, you know, it's full of horrible people, all these... and I, I get that, right? I'm sure we've we've both dealt with that. So like I kind of get what they mean. But right. to also look at it and go, yo, the opportunity here is is crazy. Like I, I say this all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, what we're doing right now, as far as I'm concerned, is almost like magic, right? Like you're mm-hmm. what what where are you right now? Miami, Florida. All right, you're in Miami. I'm in Southampton, England. We're speaking yeah. in real time, in high definition beaming this out to other people who are also listening in real time across the world. And then we can post it up there and people can listen here. They can listen on, on iTunes. They can listen on Spotify. I'm like, I'm like, that's, that's magic. As far as I'm concerned, like the reach, the potential is just crazy. But rather than seeing it that way, a lot of people always see the, they always see the obstacle. They always see the downside. They don't see the, Oh, actually, okay. Nothing is perfect, but I can take this and I, I can use this to my advantage. So why do you think you, why do you think that you have that? You know, there's this uh, philosophy called the big five personality traits. You familiar mm-hmm. with it? Ever Very, heard of it? Very. Right. And, and one of the five personality traits is agreeableness versus disagreeableness. Yes. And it's not about whether it's right or wrong. It's just, we each have different levels of it. And I, have always and the thing with when you're high on the agreeable scale, that's usually people who are great team players, mm-hmm. people who are really good at uh, compromise and getting along with everybody and getting people to follow along with them. And especially playing the team sport, you would yes. think since I played a team sport like basketball, I'll be high in agreeableness, but I'm actually not. Yeah. I'm actually pretty high in disagreeableness. Okay. And, that, and being disagreeable doesn't mean you're a negative person. Mm-hmm. It just means the type of person who will go against the grain. They'll see what everybody else is saying. Everybody else is going right and they'll go left. Everybody else is thinking (laughs) this thing and you're thinking that thing. I know you know what I'm talking about. I'm the the same on that. I'm I'm the same on that scale as well. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So (laughs) and the disagreeableness, I'm the type of person who I'm looking at what everybody else is saying. I'm like, what's not being said here? Like, where is everybody following the group think? And what is something that Maybe a lot of people are thinking, but nobody wants to say it because they don't want to go against the group and they don't want to face the wrath of the crowd. And when it comes to something like social media, 
again, like you said, a lot of people are looking at it like, oh, here are the terrible parts about it. And I'm like, well, where's the opportunity in that? And I tell my audience all the time, opportunity is always in the opposites. Mm. Opportunity is where nobody else is going, where nobody else is looking. So for me, it was always, all right, what can I do that's a little bit different? Because I looked at my parents, loving parents, you know, both were present in the home to raise their kids, but they both worked, quote unquote, regular jobs. And mm-hmm. when I was looking at them growing up, I'm like, man, they are always at work. They don't have a lot of time. They never had any extra money. But I'm, I'm and they're grooming me to do the same thing that they're doing. I'm like, well, I don't want this. What else can I do? Yeah. So my mind was wide open. And when I read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, around the same time I came across that network marketing, I said, okay, this is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how. Mind you, this is 2001. So there's no social media yet. Yeah. But when I saw it, I said, okay, this is what I need to do. I need to do something where I can do work and I can get paid for it over and over again. I didn't know how, when, where, why, what. I just knew I needed that. So that's what I was. When I saw it, I knew that was for me. And then when the Internet it evolved and kept becoming what it became, that's why I kept trying. And even with professional sports, you know, when I graduated from school, I didn't have a job opportunity as soon as I got out of school. I worked a couple, quote unquote, regular jobs when I got out of school. I worked at Foot Locker. I worked at a gym selling memberships mm-hmm. after graduating. But I was not going to give up on the, the vision of becoming a pro athlete because that was my disagreeableness. The fact yes. that I was so disagreeable with reality, I was going to keep pushing and going for the thing that I wanted. And what I tell people all the time, because some people will say to me, well, Dre, you know what? I'm in that same situation. I'm trying to make it happen. And I'm facing setbacks right now, just like you. Should I? How do I know if I should keep going or if I should give up? And I tell people, well, this is the this is the paradox of life. You know, the whether you are a visionary or an idiot is based on how the story ends, because okay. if the story ends with you reaching the goal, like I went for this pro basketball thing that seemed like a pipe dream, but I made it happen. So now I look like a superstar and a hero. Right. Because I can tell everybody the story and they're like, wow, that's amazing. You did that. Now, if you go for it and you fail. Now you're the idiot who wasted all your time going for something that didn't work out. I'm not saying that that's the truth. I'm yes. saying that's the way that you will be seen. Mm-hmm. So in life, it really just depends on how the story ends. The good news is for everyone listening is that you determine when the story ends. Yes. Right? As long as you're alive, the story is still being written. So just because you face a setback doesn't mean at the end of that setback, you don't put a period at the end of that sentence. You put a mm-hmm. comma, which means you still have another thought. There is more than needs to be said. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that. I agree. I totally. I mean, to me, failure is failure is giving up to me, right? Failure is giving up. Failure isn't having rejections or having setbacks or people saying no or people closing doors. It's when you when you give up, like when you when you stop, right? As long as you keep putting one foot after the other and you keep going for that sale or you keep knocking on those doors, you keep going. I mean. Mm-hmm. The people who fail the most are the biggest successes, right? But like That's the right. only, the best way to, the best way to be unsuccessful is to never fail, right? Just never take any risk. Don't even risk the option of failing. Um, but if you don't risk the option of failing, then you don't have the option of succeeding. And I think if you look at virtually any successful person in any field, however you even define success and you speak to them or you learn about their story, the amount of knockbacks, like I've literally had. How, how many times I, I would estimate that at least 400,000 people have said no to me <laughs> quite literally. Right. You know, like in my music career, so I mean, I, dude, I started out, I mean, right. you, you, you must know like the CD hustle, right? The street hustle. 
that's how I, that's how I started. You know, I sold over 25,000 albums going around hand to hand to sell 25,000 yes. albums. You can imagine how many no's, how many people said no, or just straight up ignored me or whatever. And it was like for years and years and years. But at the end of each day, I would remember, Hey, I sold 20 CDs today or I sold 30 CDs today. I wouldn't be like, Oh, 250 people said no to me today. I'd be like, no, I sold 25 albums. Right. You know? Um, and yeah, I think a lot of people don't have that. I don't know. People are fear. People, people fear judgment more than anything else. People really fear judgment. I know you have a video or I think you've got a couple of videos right. where you talk about not caring about what people think. And, right. and yeah, go, go, yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. He talks mm-hmm. about the six basic human f- fears. And he wrote that book during the height of the Great Depression. So his number one fear that he listed was the fear of poverty, of not having money. But his number two fear is the fear of criticism. Yes. And nowadays, since we're we're not in the Great Depression anymore, I think they switch places. The number one fear these days is the fear of criticism. Agreed. Of getting canceled on the internet, somebody laughing at you in your comments, somebody saying something about you that you don't like, you yeah. You know, being excommunicated from the group because you had the wrong opinion. And here's the, the funny thing, Zuby. I'm sure you probably talked about this before. You know it. Most of the criticism that people are afraid of is not criticism from somebody else. It's the criticism that we have of ourselves. Mm. And then but instead of owning that and saying, you know, what, I'm just criticizing myself. We blame it on the outside world. Well, I don't want to do this because somebody might say something. Well, who's yeah. who's somebody who's yeah. who's they? You know, yeah. like DJ Khaled. <laughs> they. Yeah. Who's that they? And even Napoleon Hill said this in his lectures back in the day. He said, people always say they don't want to do things. They're afraid of what they may say. And Mm -hmm. Napoleon Hill is like, I don't know who they is. And I remember I heard that. I was like, man, maybe that's where Khaled got it from. But (laughs) the they, you know, there is no they. They is you. The person that you're looking at in the mirror. That's the biggest critic that most people have. Real talk, man. And the truth is, you know, the people who, firstly, I think it's important for people to be able to distinguish between constructive criticism and and hate right to me though mm-hmm. the the, the in, a lot of that is the intention right and it's also what you can do with it right if constructive criticism and feedback it's like okay cool whether you agree with it or disagree with it most of us don't really like criticism at all but it's like okay cool that's coming from it's coming from a good place and it's something that i can that i can do something with if someone is just like hey man you suck then that's hate right it's like well I can't do I can't do anything with this. If someone, you know, was listening to this podcast and they said, oh, you could do X to make the sound a little bit better. Or have you considered this or that? It's like, OK, maybe I don't want to do that thing, but it's a consideration. OK, I can I can at least consider that. And so I think people need to draw that line first. And then also. I, I often say look, everyone is entitled to their opinion, but not everyone's opinion, not everyone's opinion matters. Right, like not you. you, You've got hundreds of thousands of followers online. You've got millions of people seeing your stuff. You can't take every single person's feelings and criticisms and opinions to heart, or assume that they're all valid. Right? If if someone who cares about you and likes you or support your work, supports your work or whatever, if they give you some feedback, then you yeah you 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 take that on board more because you know okay that's coming from someone who actually is familiar with me. And who generally likes my stuff or whatever, if it's just some random person that they've literally just stumbled across your video or stumbled across your tweet or your post or whatever, and they just decide to, they're having a bad day, they just decide to drop, drop a little bomb and disappear, then it's like, you know, like, <laughs> whatever. But so a lot of people will take right. that so much to heart 
and they'll be dwelling on it all day. And I'm like, yo, by doing that, you're letting that person win because they're not offering you anything. And now you're here for the next six hours. And in your brain, you're like, oh, like that guy, like, why did they? And I'm just like, yo, just let it roll. Let it roll. Let it go. Right. Not all yeah. opinions are created equal. Is what I like to tell people. Not, not yeah. at all, man. <laughs> I'm curious to know, uh, tell me about your time in, in Lithuania. Um, what was that like for you? Man, it was, it was a shock. It was a surprise to just to see that because that was my first time really. I mean, I'm from Philadelphia. I went to school at Penn State Altoona, which is still in the state of Pennsylvania. Mm. I had barely really even been out of the state. I've been out of state a few times in college, but not that much. Yeah. So now I'm leaving the country. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in Lithuania. I flew through, I think, think I stopped in Frankfurt and then Lithuania. But it was amazing because here I am. I had to remind myself every day, multiple times, like, I'm in Europe getting paid to play basketball. And this That's is the dope. guy who <laughs> like, didn't make his high school team until he was a senior. Yeah. Played Division three college basketball. I didn't even play my last year of college ball because I had run-ins with the, the new coach who came in mm-hmm. and basically replaced a lot of the players. And I'm like, I, I did it. I actually made it. And it's funny because Kanye West at the time, his second album was out, which was, uh, I think, late registration. Yeah, that's right. And he had he had a song on there where he said, sometimes I can't believe when I look up in the mural how we out in Europe spending euros. And I kept <laughs> remembering that line because I had euros in my pocket. I'm like, I actually am, I'm actually here doing this. So it was amazing. And you know, all the women were blonde and thin and tall. Yeah, I know. You don't see any of these people in Lithuania. Yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been there before. Yeah. I've been there before. Which yeah. uh, Which city were you in? Vilnius? I was or? in Kaunas. Oh, Kaunas. Okay, Kaunas. I've been I flew there. I was in Vilnius, but I was in Kaunas. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I've been to, I've been, yeah, I've been to, those are the two I've been to, actually. I've been to Vilnius and to, to Kaunas. So it's an interesting yeah, place. How long were you there? Phone, How long were you there? I was for? only there for a couple, I was there for a couple months. So I came in in August and I was out by November. So okay. I wish I had a smartphone then because I don't have any photographs. Oh, uh, no. What, what year, yeah. what year was that? 2005. 2005, man. Yeah. Man, you must have been hot property out there. Anyway. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, 2005, coming from black American guy coming from the States playing basketball in, in, in yeah. Lithuania. It's like, yeah, that's a good setup right there. That's yeah, funny, fun. man. So um, <laughs> what, what was the first book that you wrote? I see you've written like 27 books. Yes. Okay. So first. I, t- what was the first one, man? The first one was called Buy a Game, like buy as in purchase, B-U-Y, buy a game. And I wrote that book in about 2010. And that was really just a a storybook of when I first started playing ball up through my college years. And I wrote that book only for the people who were watching my basketball videos at that time, because they were always asking about my story and my my backstory. How'd you do it? And I just went and wrote that book out. And the funny thing is, Zuby, I did not proofread that book. I didn't get it edited. <laughs> I didn't do anything. I just wrote it one time and put it out. Yeah. <laughs> and told people, hey, go download it for free. Okay. And we gave away probably 50,000 of those books. Oh, wow. Okay. Because people just wanted the story. You know, they just wanted the story. And it had nothing to do with uh, literary quality or any of that because there was not much. <laughs> and I remember uh, when I went back five years later to make the audio version of the book. And when you do the audio book, you have to read your own book. Yeah, yeah. And I'm reading it and I'm like, man, this writing is terrible. <laughs> I was just a bad writer back then, but yeah. people loved the book. Nobody right. complained about it. That's Nobody funny. left a review and said, you got typos, even though there were typos. Mm-hmm. Nobody said that because they just wanted the story. And I've always been a, 
I've always been a, a storyteller type of writer. So and I, I like just being able to give people the narrative. So, yeah, that's how I wrote my first book. I just found out about self-publishing and I said, oh, well, now I'm going to add author to my title. That's so awesome. Man. That's what I did. And yeah. how have you how have you managed to do so many? I mean, what's your what's your process? I mean, I wrote and released my first book in 2019, but you're 26 right. ahead of me. So um, I feel like I'm missing something here. <laughs> Man, well, I, my mind just works in frameworks. <laughs> okay, you know, I've trained myself to I think in frameworks. So when I do, when I make content, even when I make a video or something like that, even if I do a live stream, before I turn the video on, I'll think of all right, this is the topic. All right, what are three points I can give people? All right, mm -hmm. this is point number one, point number two, point number three, and I'll hold them in my head, and then I'll start the video, and okay. then I'll just do point one, point two, point three. I'll explain each one, then I'll recap, and then it's over. So that's the framework that I use. So then when I think of an idea, so anytime someone gives me an idea or I think of an idea, the question that I ask myself is, are right, what are the points that I can give people to make this make sense? I need to make a framework for it. So my mind just works in frameworks. So whenever I think of a framework and it's maybe it's enough that is more than a video or a podcast episode or an article, mm -hmm. then I go and make a book about it. And the thing is, one thing that I've been really proud of with the books is that a lot of young kids who don't read will reach out to me and say, Dre, I don't read books, but I read your book. Okay. And that opened them up to reading books because they're willing to listen to they're like this young black guy. He plays ball. He looks cool. He looks like he he understands where I come from. Yeah. And he writes books or I'll read his book. Okay. And then when I name drop Robert Greene, I name drop Tim Ferriss and I name drop uh, other art, Baltazar Gracian, when I name drop, you know, uh, Carl von Clausewitz, they're willing to go read these people because I'm talking about them. Gotcha. And that's one thing that I've been really proud of. It just opens up a lot of, especially young men, opens that's up awesome. their mind to reading when otherwise they probably wouldn't do. That's awesome. That's amazing, man. I love that. And how are they primarily mm -hmm. discovering you? Is that through YouTube primarily or mm -hmm. elsewhere? It used to be, it used to be YouTube when I was okay. doing basketball mostly. Mm -hmm. And then it, it hasn't been YouTube as much these days. It's been, I have a solo show. I do a solo podcast. I use Instagram. I use Clubhouse. Okay. I'm on Twitter and I have an email list. Gotcha. So, and I run advertising to my book funnels and stuff like that. So really that's how people find me. I hear you, man. I and by you. getting on, getting on stages with people like you. Yeah, most definitely, so man. People are going to find me through this too. <laughs> most definitely, man. So what, um, how, what's the, how, what's the best way to put this? What's the best way to put this? What's been the, um, I know on, on stuff like this, and even when I tend to tell my own story, it's always, you know, mm -hmm. people tend to focus on the, you know, on the, on the, the positives and the wins and the achievements and stuff. But for, and I know for a fact, for any entrepreneur, there are, there are low points. There are periods where you're just like, yeah. what am I doing? <laughs> What am I doing? Why am I doing yeah. this? You, you sort of touched on one earlier. You said when you uh you weren't getting making any money from playing ball for a period of time. But have there been any points along this journey, whether it's on YouTube or with writing or with anything else where you've just been like where you just faced like a really difficult period or some sort of temporary low? And what was it and how did you how did you get through that? Wow, so many. I can only pick one. You can you can pick so. a couple if you want. <laughs> I would think, well, first of all, when I first stopped playing ball, when I knew I was completely done playing ball, the first thing that I really wanted to focus on was professional speaking. I wanted to be a pro professional speaker because I'm like, man, I got all these videos on YouTube. I've done all this talking. 
I know I could do professional speaking and I knew I could. But then when I started talking to the event planners who actually run these events, they're like, well, do you have any video of you speaking? And I'm like, yeah, look at all these YouTube videos. <laughs> and they're like, uh, no, we need video of you actually speaking to an audience in a live room, you know, talking about whatever it is. Like, what is what can you give people? And yes. what they want at these conferences is way different than what a YouTube viewer wants. Mm. You need a, a framework. You need to be able to explain how is what you're talking about going to translate over to this audience of business people who never picked up a basketball? They are not on YouTube watching videos and not on social media. What can you give them? And I had to learn that. I found a mentor, luckily, who was able to help me walk me through that. But in the beginning, when I first wanted to get into entrepreneurship through that door, that door was getting slammed in my face because I didn't know what I was doing. Gotcha. I had no idea what the game was. I had to learn the game and then start to figure that out. But then over the years, between 2015 and now, many times, I can't tell you how many products I launched that didn't work, how many things that I, how many funnels I put out that were just flops. So I said, yeah, oh, I'm going to yeah. do this program. All right, that didn't work. Let mm -hmm. me try something else. But the thing is, just like you said, when it didn't work, I just went and did the next thing. I yes. didn't dwell on it. I just went to the next thing. So uh, funnels did not work. Pages didn't work. Programs mm -hmm. didn't go the way I thought they would go. People just not responding to certain things. I've had that happen so many times yeah. over the years, but I always just keep trying the next thing. And then I just take little pieces from what works and mm -hmm. I apply that to the next one and the next one. So it's kind of like uh, Edison, 10,000 failures with the light bulb. <laughs> so I just, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I just found 10,000 things that didn't work. I hear you. And on the flip side, have there been any moments or particular videos that have gone viral or particular we all have these little flashpoints where something just, yeah. oh, wow, okay, this this one piece of content is just getting 100 times, 500 times, 1,000 times the usual level of impressions or magnitude or anything like that. Have you had some of those moments as well? And what were they? No, sure. I've had I've had content go viral in a positive way and a negative way. Oh, okay, cool. Tell <laughs> so, me, tell me. <laughs> all right. So let's start with the positive. Sure. <laughs> so we'll we'll even just on YouTube. So I got a few videos on YouTube. I think at least two. Last time I looked, basketball videos that have over a, a million views. It was just mm -hmm. drills that I did because that was my whole thing from 2005 to 2013. Aside from the weekly motivation, it was just me doing basketball drills, dribbling drills, shooting drills, crossover drills, tutorials, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I've had a few go viral off of that and people still watch them to this very day. And as far as like on a, the mindset side of things, I don't think I had anything blow up super duper crazy, but mm -hmm. it's just I put out so much. It's kind of like um, look like a company like Amazon. They don't care which book sells. If you put out so many, eventually one of them is going to blow up. So yeah, yeah. I put out so much content that I've had. So many videos just start to pick up steam. I don't even keep track of them anymore. On the negative side, I remember I did this video with my girlfriend. My girlfriend's European. Okay. So and so to most Americans, that's just white. Right. So we did this <laughs> video and where I found this article on, uh, on. I don't remember where I found it, but they were talking about these uh, myths about interracial dating. Okay. So I thought it was it was really silly. The myths, I thought they were very silly. So I said to her, look, we're going to talk about these and we're just going oh, to discuss them in a serious. <laughs> you already know where this is going. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So I said, we're going to discuss them as if they're for real. I'm going to yeah. try to argue them. I'm going to try to argue for them and you can refute them. Okay. So we're doing this. We're in the car talking. We're going over this. And I said, I had to say this about five times in the video. I said, 
Let me keep telling everybody that I'm reading from an article so nobody takes this out of context. Yeah. So, of course, somebody takes it out of context. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. It's like a two, they take two minutes out of an hour-long video, oh, and it, it's get taken out of context, and people are messaging me, DMing me, like, yo, somebody put you on TikTok. I was on Worldstar. <laughs> <laughs> they got me on World Star, and I'm like, I knew this was gonna happen. What was and what was I, the what was the segment? I'm curious. The segment was we. The question was, do a what does a white girl think she's better than a black girl because she's dating a black guy? Oh boy! And <laughs> they didn't get mad at her, yeah, but this, they didn't get yeah. mad at her. They got mad at me, of course, because I was playing devil's advocate. You know, yeah. I was playing devil's advocate. Like, well, hey, maybe some girls do think this way and that way. I was just throwing things out there for her to push back against, but people took the clip where yeah. it sounds like I'm just arguing against it, but not. You know, they didn't get yeah. it. <laughs> so then they took that, and this thing goes viral, and it happened. Just here's the funny thing, Zuby. The video came out in 2017. It came okay. and it went. Nobody yeah. said anything. Nobody cared. Yeah. The video went viral last summer because, <laughs> you know, we got the summer of social justice. Oh, so somebody found that video. They found something. We need something to get mad at. We need something to get mad about. So yeah. I, I became the target for a good good six weeks. You, 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 you got the, uh, well, what's it called in uh, is it the, the, ten, the 10 minutes of hate or whatever? <laughs> oh, yeah. It was more than 10 minutes. it's it's wild the internet is such a strange place you get these people who literally will they'll just like they'll trawl looking for things to be mad at like they're they'll they're specifically (laughs) they're searching they're they're on youtube they're on twitter they're trying to find some you're you're getting people like someone tweeted something in like 2009 and then now 2021 it I like the way they they always I love the way they say it re, it resurfaced as if like it just sort of popped right. up on its own. It's like no, you had like a whole army of people <laughs> trying yeah, to find exactly. some dirt on this person. It. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then they have a whole audience of people who want them to give them something to get mad about. So yeah, it's it was this perfect storm. Perfect. Storm. Nah, yeah. What what was the uh, what was that experience like? For me, it was fine. I mean, I told yeah. my girl about <laughs> it. She is not on social media. She barely okay. even posted her Instagram. Me, listen, I've read and replied to probably 4 million comments over the years. So there's nothing you can say to me in the comments that I ain't heard. Yeah. So it doesn't bother me. I would really just look at it and laugh. I'm like, these yeah. people are really, and people are really like serious. They were seriously angry about this. And I'm like, yeah. right, what are you going to do? And the yeah. video's already made. You know, what, what's, your, what's your outcome here? That's hilarious, so man. I can just laugh at it. That's so funny, man. So what have you got, um, what have you got coming next? What, what are you, uh, anything big coming this year or in the, in the near future, what have you got coming up? Yeah, I actually got two more books coming out this year. Okay, nice. And I just finished the writing for the second, which will be my 29th. And I'm going to put them both out as a package deal, but I haven't figured out, I haven't structured exactly how we're going to do the marketing for both mm-hmm. of them together. But both of those books are already done. The next step is, of course, we got to get the cover design, editing, setting up the funnels, the marketing, and all that stuff. So, It'll probably come out in the summer of this year, summer 2021. So that's the biggest thing. And then besides that, I'm a creator at heart, probably as you are, Zuby. So I'm really trying to put the creator hat down and really just focus on the marketing and promoting of the whole work on your game philosophy. And we have so much stuff and just making sure it's all organized in such a way that people can really follow the journey. Hmm. And that's really what I'm going to be focusing on for the rest of this year and beyond. Yeah. Work on the game. Work on your game. That's that's your brand. Why? Why did you call it that? Yeah. Man, that came from a video in 2009. Okay. so I was uh, I was just playing in I was playing in Germany at the end of 2008. 
Then I came home to Miami and I was in a 24 hour fitness, January 2009. And around this time, this is YouTube starting to pick up a little bit of steam. Mm-hmm. And I was getting all these comments from players who would just ask me questions. You know, Dre, can you make a video on this? Make a video on that. And they would ask me, well, how do I deal with a coach who's hating on me or I'm not making a team and this and that? And I was in the gym working out by myself. But in my mind, I'm thinking about these questions the players are always asking me because I had my camera with me. Now, this is pre-smartphone. So I had a, a phone and a camera, two okay. separate devices. And I had my camera with me. And I remember I was done my workout. And I was just it was just a stream of consciousness coming to me. So I grabbed, turned my camera on. I started recording while I'm stretching after my workout. And I was just start talking to the camera and telling these players, listen, all of you are asking me questions about how do you get better? How can you work on your game? Can I give you some advice, some help, some tips? Well, look at this. Look at where I'm at right now. I'm in the gym and I just finished working out. Mm-hmm. Look where you're at. You're on YouTube watching videos. Mm-hmm. Now, you want to know why you're not making a basketball team. You want to know why your teammates don't pass you the ball. You want to know why your coach doesn't put you in the game because you're watching YouTube videos. So what you need to do is turn this video off, turn the Xbox off, stop standing on the corner mm-hmm. and go work on your game. And gotcha. I put some colorful language in there, but I told him, go work on your game. Yeah. And the people picked up on that, that phrase. I wasn't trying to brand that phrase. It was not mm-hmm. predetermined. I didn't plan it. And after I said that, people just started repeating that phrase back to me. Work on your game. Work on your game. Nice I like that. that, Dre. Yeah. And it wasn't until about two years later, 2011, when I realized, like, you know, I should just name everything after work on your game. This is the thing yeah. people like. And that's when I branded it, you know, trademarked it and all that stuff. My, our company is called Work on Your Game now. I love that. It's best when those things just happen organically, because then you just know that, you know, it works like when you're trying to come up with names or catchphrases or whatever, it can be very difficult. But sometimes it just clicks. Someone just says something and you're just like, yes, that's that's it. That works. You can't make a video go viral. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what's the what's and what's the what's the grand vision? Where do you want to where do you want to take Dre Baldwin? Where do you want to take work on your game? What's the what's the big vision? Are you going to write a hundred books? Are you going to put out a million videos? What are you, what are you going to do with it all? Where's it all going? I don't know. Maybe I will try a hundred books. I hadn't thought of that, but you gave okay. me the idea. But I think um, ideally overall, we want to take work on your game and we want it to be the way you say, just do it. And everybody knows what that is and what it's about mm-hmm. for athletes. We want work on your game to be that for the mental game. We want Dope. it work on your game to be that for mindset. Awesome. Awesome. I love that, man. Yeah. And Dre, where can people find you online, man? Man, I'm everywhere online. So I'm on, on YouTube. I'm on, I'm on every social media platform except TikTok. I'm not on that, but I'm on everything else actively. The one that I I use Twitter every day. I okay. post to YouTube every day. Facebook. Okay. Every, I post to all of them all every day. Awesome. Instagram as well. Um, damn. I'm on everything, literally. I do have a book that people can get for free if they just cover the shipping. Can I share that with you? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So I have it right here in front of me since I know we're in the video. So this is my book called The the Mirror of Motivation, Self-Guide to Self-Discipline. There mm-hmm. it is right here. So this is a book that everyone should start with. I know I have a lot of books, but this is the one people should start with because discipline is the first principle of the work on your game philosophy. And the reason why people get this book is because everyone, especially when you listen to somebody like me who's talking about work on your game. Everyone who has goals, people who listen to this have goals yeah. and you understand you have to work hard to reach your goals. Can't get something for nothing. But most people never ask themselves the question when they do all that hard work. They never ask themselves the question, who do I need to be as a person? How do I need to see myself in life? What kind of energy do I need to have? How do I need to present myself? And this book, 
The mirror motivation will give you the frameworks for asking that question and answering that question for yourself. So it's not me telling you who to need, who you need to be. That wouldn't make any sense. It's not me motivating you. It's not a hype up book. This book is going to give you the framework for you to answer that question for yourself because the principles to achieve in life is be, do, have in that order. You have to be first. Then you do the stuff. Then you get the results. We will give you this book for free. All we ask is that you help us out by covering the shipping. It is at mirrorofmotivation.com. Mirrorofmotivation.com. Awesome. And what's your handle on social media? My Twitter is at Dre all day. And my Instagram is at Dre Baldwin. Awesome. And Dre. YouTube is okay. Dre UPT, but you can just look me up. I'm, I'm easy to find. Awesome, man. Yeah. Bro, it's been been really awesome to have you on, on the podcast. I think you've dropped, you've dropped so many gems. I love the work you're putting in. I love the mindset. I love the, I love the grind, man. I, I, I love talking to fellow entrepreneurs, hustlers, people who are positive minded, people who are out there trying to fulfill their own potential and encourage other people to do the same thing. I think that's literally just, that's what we all need in the world, man, across all of our different countries, cities, everywhere. That's, that's what we need, man. There's so much negativity out there and we need people who are just on the opposite side of that, just uplifting people. And I I think you're doing that. So God bless you, man. Absolutely. Zuby. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Nice one, bro. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.